0: Shalom, brethren, and praise the Lord. Indeed, this is another day that the Lord has made that we, we may join together in the study of his word. We thank him for his sustenance, for his protection upon our lives, that we can have an opportunity of even studying his word. My name is Grace Wojambo, and I thank God for having saved me and for his sustaining grace upon my life. We started a study on the character of God, and we have been looking at his attributes. Last uh, time, we started on one of the attributes of God, that is God's eternity. And we looked at his timeless, that he is timeless in his own being, you know, concerning eternity, that God sees all time equally vividly. And the third thing that we want to see today, still about God's eternity, is that God sees events in time and acts in time, and then we shall continue with others. May we pray together. Our Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are grateful yet again for your grace and your mercy towards each one of us, O God. We thank you that though you are so great and so mighty, that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us, O God. And so this day, even as we have a study of your word, oh God, that we may get to know you more and more. We desire that the spirit of of revelation, the spirit of wisdom be upon us, O God, that indeed you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we may understand your word, that we may understand who our God is. That in our understanding of you, O God, our faith will be built more and more in you, Jehovah God. And we will trust you for everything, even in our lives and in our situations. We pray that you minister to us this day by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue. God, that God sees events in time and act in time regarding his eternity that god is eternal he has no beginning no end or succession of moments in his own being yet yet he sees events in time and act in time so this is the last part of the definition of god's eternity that helps god against misunderstanding in galatians chapter 4 verse 4 to 5 it says in part when the time had fully come, God sent forth his, time, his son. Sorry. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son. God observed clearly and knew exactly what was happening with events in his creation as they occurred over time. In other words, God watched the progress of time as various events occurred within his creation. Then, at the right time, when the time had fully come, according to the scripture, then God sent for His son into the world. Indeed, he knows all about your life and he will act in time even concerning you. If he did it concerning his son, Jesus, he would do the same even concerning you. That in the right time, that whatever needs to be done for your life, God will do it. Acts 17, verse 30 to 31. God acts within time and acts differently at different times in points, at different points in time. Yeah. In times of ignorance, that is the past. Yeah. And then now this is the present. And then there is a fixed day in the future. So God acts within, <clears throat> excuse me, within Uh, time. It's good to read um, his word and find out that. So we can therefore conclude that God is the Lord who created time and he rules over it and he uses it for his own purposes and for his glory. Amen. So when God fulfills his promises and carries out his works of redemption over a period of time, even as we see it in the scriptures, It is so that we might more readily and more clearly see and appreciate his great wisdom, appreciate his patience towards us, appreciate his faithfulness, appreciate his lordship over all the events in life, and even his unchangeableness and his eternity. Hallelujah. That is why we really need the understanding of his word. And then we will be able to respond to him in worship and adoration to him, trusting him more with our lives and serving him unreservedly. Indeed, there is a purpose for us knowing him and trusting him even the more. Now, may, let's go now to another of God's um, attributes. We are still on there uh, in this incommunicable in, in attributes of God so let's look at his omnipresence God's omnipresence just as God is unlimited with respect to time even so God is unlimited with respect to space so the definition of omnipresence God does not have size or spatial dimensions and he is present at every point of space with his whole being Yet, God acts differently in different places. So God is Lord over space because he created it. (coughs) In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we read in the beginning, God. Yes, in Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 14, we read, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yes, everything, everything in the heaven of heavens and even the earth and everything that is in it. So under this, let's look at this definition in bits that God is present everywhere. We know this and uh, it may look like a repetition, but it doesn't matter. It's always, it doesn't hurt indeed to have the word of God repeated to us god is present everywhere he's omnipresent jeremiah 23 verse 23 to 24 we read in part do i not feel heaven and the earth yeah in psalm 139 from verse 7 to verse 10 if you could read it we we, we may not have enough time to read all the scriptures so we are just quoting them uh, the psalmist talks about different places if i go uh, to the heavens god is there if i go to the depths of the earth you know that even there god is there wherever he goes he finds that god is already there maybe this one let's let's just read this one it, uh, 139 Psalm 139 from verse 7 where can i go from your spirit or where can i flee from your presence if i ascend into heaven you are there if i make my bed in hell behold you are there if i take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me so wherever he goes the, the, the psalmist realizes god is there he is omnipresent There is nowhere in the entire universe, on land or sea, in heaven or hell, where one can flee from God's presence. Nowhere. God himself is present. Not a part of him, but he is present with his whole being in every part of space. How reassuring this is. That it doesn't matter where we may go, where we may be. Even if you are all alone and nobody else knows where you are or what is happening to you, God is there. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, uh, Paul affirms and says, In him we live and move and have our being in this God because he is everywhere. And then let's also see, still under God's omnipresence, that God does not have spatial dimensions. You can't say he's this tall, he's this fat or you know, you no spatial dimensions for God. God exists without size or dimensions in space. Before God created the universe, there was no matter or material. So there was no space either. Yet God still existed. In 1st Kings and chapter Eight. 1 Kings chapter eight, uh, and verse twenty seven. First Kings chapter eight, and verse twenty seven we read, But God, but sorry, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple, which I have built? Yeah, this is Solomon. At the dedication of the temple he acknowledged that even that great magnificent temple could not hold contain god yeah so god cannot be contained by any space heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain him isaiah 66 verse 1 to 2 heaven is my throne and the earth my footstool period In Acts chapter seven from verse 48 to verse 50, we read in part that the most high does not dwell in temples made with hands, he doesn't. This shows us that there is no special place of worship that gives people special access to God. He cannot be contained in any one place. Indeed, our designated places of worship The helpers come together, together, specifically to worship God together. But then, even in our homes, we have continued to have access to God, even in our homes. So it's not that God dwells in the church building, that that's where we have to go there. No, even in our homes, God is there. Our church is is just a place designated for worship for us to gather together because now he, we are the living temples. So remember God is spirit. So do not think of him in your mind as having any form or, or, or any shape, because that would be idolatry. That's why he was even telling the, the, the Israelites in Exodus chapter 20 in the commandments that you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. Do not make it even in your mind. Even when we worship, your eyes are closed. Don't form God. Don't have any form in your mind that that is the form, that that is God that you are worshiping. Because that would be idolatry. Yeah. God has no form, no space, no shape. So God is present everywhere in his creation. But He is also distinct from his creation. Oh, worship him. Worship him. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere present. We cannot hide from him. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look at another attribute of God, the unity of God. The unity of God. The definition of this is that God is not divided into parts. Yet we see different attributes of God emphasized at different times god is not divided into parts he is whole but we see different attributes of him of god emphasized at different times this unity is in respect to god's attributes it's in connection with god's attributes or god's character scriptures never single out one attribute of god as more important than all the rest not at all for example when we look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, John says that God is light. And then in chapter 4 of First John and verse 8, he says, God is love. Well, here, there is no suggestion that part of God is light and part of God is love. Or that God is partly light and partly love. No, no, not at all. Neither should we think that God is more light than love or more love than light. Not at all. Rather, it is God himself who is light. Okay. And God himself who is love. So we can say that every attribute is completely true of God and is true of all of God's character. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 to 7, we find that God is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, he is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, and he continues to say that he will by no means clear the guilty. So God is God of justice. He is a just God as well. So these attributes are characteristics of God himself and therefore characteristic of all of God, not part of God. These attributes of God are presented to us separately so that we can have an understanding of our God. It is not that God is divided into those many attributes, not at all. Some people have said that God is a God of justice in the Old Testament. And that he's a God of love in the New Testament. But this is not accurate about God. Because God is and always has been infinitely or unlimited, just and infinitely loving as well. And everything he does in the Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, is completely consistent with both of these attributes yeah and this goes for all other attributes this was just an example although some actions of god show certain of his attributes more prominently you know like in atonement this demonstrates his love and his justice more yet in one way or another all other attributes are demonstrated even in that in the atonement his knowledge his holiness, his mercy, and we can go on. No, so none is more important than others. So what can we say in conclusion? That it is God himself in his whole being who is supremely important. And it is God himself in his whole being whom we are to seek, seek to know, seek to love. So we cannot say we only want to know God, that God is love. We don't want to know that God is just because we don't want to face that part of God. But this is all God. You cannot take him as love and not take him as just. So let us appreciate that all these attributes contain, uh, pertain to God as a whole. They have only been separated for our understanding because we are limited. So God is a God of unity. So this brings us, brings us to the end of the incommunicable attributes of God, you know, in this study. Those that are less shared with humanity. And what we have learned is God's independence, his unchangeableness, his eternity, his omnipresence and his unity. All this shows us that our God is unique and is in a class of his own. So we need to know him. We need to know these attributes of God so that we are not deceived. In Matthew chapter 24, we read that in verse 11, we read that in the last days, that deceivers will come. People come to deceive us and they will appear and they will tell us that they are God, they are Christ. So we need to know our God and know him well. And Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the B part says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Indeed, so we shall continue to know our God and uh, carry out great exploits. And our worship will continue to be enriched even as we continue to know more and more about God. Allow me to introduce the communicable attributes of God those that God shares more with us, yeah? And remember, these divisions that we have made are only to help us as human beings to understand God better because of our limitations. In in God, these compartments are not there. It is just for us, for our understanding. So in this study of the communicable attributes of God, we divide God's communicable attributes into five major categories. And with each uh, category, we have individual attributes listed under it, right? So, like now, we will start with the attributes describing God's being. Attributes describing God's being that are communicable. So, we will look at his spirituality and we will also look at uh, his invisibility, right? Let's see how far we can go. So God's spirituality, people ask questions. And in case you you have never asked or you don't ask these questions because you know, allow those who have the questions to ask. What is God like? Is he pure energy or just a pure thought? Is he made of flesh and blood like us human beings? The answer to these questions is no. And to similar questions you know somebody may have similar questions though not exactly like this in john chapter 4 and verse 24 god is spirit that is what jesus told the samaritan woman here the discussion was about the location where people should worship god whether in jerusalem or in the mountains in samaria but jesus told her, told her that true worship has to do not with physical location but with one's inner spiritual condition. That's why he said in verse 23 of the same John chapter 4, that true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Yeah, because He is spirit. Remember, no size, no dimensions, as we read earlier. He is everywhere present, again, as we read earlier uh, about his omnipresence in psalms 139 verses 7 to 10. In the Ten Commandments, we find God forbidding his people to think of his very being as similar to anything else in the physical creation in Exodus chapter 20 verse 4 to 6. So God is different from his creation. To think of God's being in terms of anything else in creation is to misrepresent him, is to limit him, is to think of him as less than he really is. What of his knowledge? If you think of him like the golden calf, like the Israelites had made, what of his knowledge? What of his wisdom? What of his omnipresence? His eternity? His independence? Those forms cannot represent all of these things about God. Inasmuch as we said earlier that God has made all creation so that each part of it reflects something of his own character, we must here affirm and balance that to picture God as existing in a form or mode of being that is like anything else in creation is to think of God in a horribly misleading and dishonoring way. Yeah? This is why in verse 5, we read that God is a jealous God. He is jealous to protect his own honor. Yeah, Verse 5 of Exodus chapter 20. He is jealous to protect his own honor. He eagerly seeks for people to think of him and worship him for all his excellence. It would be good that you read also Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 23 to verse 24. So here we emphasize that God is spirit. This is a kind of existence that is unlike anything else in creation and far superior to all our material existence. God's being is not even exactly like our own human spirits. For this, our human spirits are created things and they exist only in one place, in one time. Nevertheless, having said that, God has given us spirits in which we worship him, like we read in John chapter chapter 4 in verse 24, that God is spirit, and this that worship him must worship him spirit and in truth. You can also read in Philippians, yeah, in Philippians chapter 3 in verse 3. That we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, that God has given us spirits in which we worship him. Yeah? In First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse verse 14, Paul was talking about the gifts of the spirit. And he was so here he was talking about praying. And he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So God has given us spirits that we can worship him, we can pray. And this spirit also, we are united with the Lord's spirit in our spirit. First Corinthians chapter six and verse uh, 17 tells us. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So we are not joined to the Lord in our flesh. We are joined to the Lord or we are united with the Lord in our spirit. So our spirits are united with the Lord's spirit. And when we pass into the Lord's presence when we die, it's our spirits that move, you know, that pass into his presence. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, Jesus prayed and he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That is how we say that uh, uh, it's our spirit that move or pass into the Lord's presence. Jesus was dying and he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and 7b says, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So these scriptures, as well as other scriptures, clearly show us that there is some communication from God to us spiritually that is like his own nature, though certainly not in all respects. That's about God's spirituality. Let's look at God's invisibility. The the definition, God's (laughs) invisibility means that All of his spiritual being will never be able to be seen by us. Yet, God still shows himself to us through visible created things. There are various passages that reflect on the fact that God is not able to be seen. Like in John chapter 1 verse 18 says, no one has seen God at any time. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 17 says, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God alone, is to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16 also says, Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. And first John chapter four, verse 12 says, no one has seen God at any time. Yet there are scriptures that indicate that certain people saw some outward manifestation of God. Like in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Yeah. And (laughs) the same chapter, verse 21 to 23, God caused his glory to pass by Moses while he hid Moses in a cleft of the rock. And then God let Moses see his back after he had passed by. But he said, my face shall not be seen. Wow. Such scriptures indicate that there was a sense in which God could not be seen at all. But that there was also some outward form or manifestation of God, which at least in part was able to be seen by man. If we read Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. um, Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. We read, it says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Yes, no one has any excuse because his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are that are made. Then in other occurrences, God took on various forms to show himself to people. In Exodus, in uh, sorry, in Genesis chapter 18, verse one to verse 33, we find God appearing to Abraham just read the whole cha- the whole of that uh, passage i think it's a whole chapter yeah god appeared to abraham and he is referred to as the lord where the lord is, is in uppercase uh capitals capital l o r d signifying god the, the uh, god yahweh but here he is appearing as it's a man in genesis chapter 32 Verse 28 to 30, God appeared to Jacob. In verse 24, we find that Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And verse 28, he says, You have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So we find again God appearing in a certain way. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 to 22, God appeared to the Israelites in a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night and in other passages we'll find in exodus 24 9 to 11 judges 13 21 to 22 isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 and you can uh, continue with other passages in the new testament we see a greater visible manifestation of god in the person of jesus christ himself john chapter 14 verse 9 he who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was telling Philip who had uh, uh, asked Jesus to show them the Father. So Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the express image or the exact representation of God's being. So in the person of Jesus, we have a unique visible manifestation of God. So when we read the word of God, we see Jesus, and then we can know the father. When we get to heaven, we shall see God face to face. And also we shall see him as he is. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12, first John chapter three and verse two. This shall be a completely true and clear, and real vision of God, but it will not be an exhaustive vision of God. So to look at God changes us and makes us like him. First John chapter three, verse two, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. This transformation is even taking place even now. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the lord 2nd corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 this vision of god will be the consummation of our knowing god and will give us full delight and joy for all eternity hallelujah if you read that in psalms chapter 16 and verse 11 indeed we shall see him as he is And we shall become totally like him. Well, not totally. We shall be like him. That's what the scripture tells us. Although we know we shall not be exactly like him. This is about God. Invisibility. There are certain places where he shows himself to us. Even now, he is manifesting himself to us so that we are able to know him more and more when we read the word he manifests himself to us more and more brethren i would like us to stop at this and pray together father in the name of jesus we are so delighted oh god that you you communicate certain of your attributes to us oh god that we are able to communicate with you you are spirit, but we are able to communicate with you, oh God, because you have given us spirit in us, our Father, that we are able to can worship you in spirit and in truth because you have given us that uh, capability. We bless your name and we honor you, oh God. Thank you that you are even uh, uh, revealing yourself to us. You cause us to see us. You manifest yourself to us, oh God, day by day. And then as we see you, as you manifest yourself to us, you're changing us. You're transforming us, oh God, more and more into your image and into your likeness from one level of glory to another. Amen, Lord. Amen. Let it be so. Transform us more and more, even as we read more and more, as we expose ourselves to you more and more, even in your word. We pray that you bless your people, minister to them, encourage them and strengthen them in uh, uh, whatever situation they are going through oh god may the study of your word build strength and faith oh god in their hearts, our father that they will keep looking to you and reading your word more and more let there be a a, a thirst and a hunger in the hearts of your people even for your word we bless you our, our god and we honor you in jesus mighty name we pray Amen and amen. Amen.